Welcome back to Life Talks with Emma and Nadia. I'm Emma. And I'm Nadia. And on this podcast, we'll be talking about different aspects of life as a teenager. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the channel. Um, today, we're going to be talking about something a little bit more serious. We've covered a couple podcasts, mostly our earlier ones, um, regarding politics and racism and police brutality. And today we're going to go back to that, but instead of focusing on the Black Lives Matter aspect, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the Asian American community. So mm -hmm. the reason we're doing this is as of when we're recording this, um, so today is what, the 20th? 21st. 21st, sorry. Yeah, so today's the 21st, and last week on March 16th, 2021, there was a mass shooting at a spa perpetrated by a white male. I think he was age 21. And it, the victims of that mass shooting, six of them were Asian women. And so a lot of people have been categorizing this as a hate crime. But even though the perpetrator is claiming that it was sex related. Yeah, and that's still a bad aspect. But we are sort of going to be talking about that introduce it by saying that both me and Nadia, I at least for me personally, I identify as half Asian because I am half Vietnamese. And so I am part of that community. And then Nadia, do you want to talk a little bit about your side? Yeah, so I'm also mixed, but my mom is Indian, not um, East Asian. But the community she grew up in, which is in a country called Mauritius, which I've mentioned before on this podcast, um, that community is very diverse. It includes a lot of uh, Indian and a lot of East Asian people. And it, even though te technically Mauritius is a little island that's part of Africa, it's really diverse because of so many Asian people that moved there hundreds of years ago. So I'm also kind of connected to the Asian side of everything. Yes. And then in addition to that, we both live in the Bay Area, which is usually majority Asian. Yeah, the city we live in is really diverse. There's, it's like the majority of the population is Asian. So we have been surrounded by Asian culture our entire lives as long as we've been living here. And so, so a couple months ago, there were several cases of reported Asian hate crime. Um, some of which took over, they took place all over the Bay Area. Um, one of them I'm recalling specifically was in Oakland. And it was where some people were pushing like Asian elderly into the streets and they were being hurt. And it was simply because of the fact that they were Asian and their skin color. And a lot of the crimes against Asian people have risen in the past um, year because of the coronavirus and people assuming that all the Asian people have the virus or they're spreading it or they're the cause and so they should be like the scapegoat for it. And so just over this past year, there has been a huge amount of rise in Asian hate crime. And it's something not too many people are focusing on and it's only recently being talked about because in the past few months, especially in 2020, we were focusing on the Black Lives Matter and the police brutality. And that was another aspect of racism and segregation in America that needs to be talked about. 
but there's also other aspects such as the Asian community that also needs to be talked about. Yeah, and touching on the rise in Asian hate crimes, I know as I've been on social media, a lot of been, people have been reposting like um, Asian women have been attacked in cabs. There's, even though Emma said a couple of months ago, this, the, it continues to happen. I know one of my, the, one of the people I follow on Instagram did post something about how they were personally attacked by a racist person while they were out and about. Um, so it's been kind of terrifying to see this rise in hate crimes. And we don't really think about that because we live in a mostly Asian community where racism doesn't really pop up, I guess. But yeah, it's kind of terrifying to see how the rest of the world <laughs> treats Asian people. And the coronavirus has inflamed these tensions. We've seen a lot of government officials and people in high positions saying things like, you know, little things that you wouldn't really consider to be too bad. But like when a, a politician says, you know, the Kung flu or the Chinese virus, it is mm -hmm. inflaming other people who will go out there and they will attack the people they think are responsible for causing this pandemic. And, you know, this isn't something that's only just now a problem. This has been going on since like the 1800s and probably before that. You know, there has been so much racism that we have created, especially in America. Um, it's like the Chinese Exclusion Act back in California when we had the gold rush. You know, it's just, there's been a lot going on. We just necessarily haven't brought light to it. Yeah, I mean, America has a long history of racism against Asian people. We had, I think, the Japanese internment camps mm -hmm. during the Second World War. But also, I think the, real, the reason that we don't really pay attention to Asian hate crimes and racism as much is because Asian people are considered, you know, the model minority, that model minority myth that white people came up with. Mm -hmm. Because they think of Asian people as, you know, they're all supposed to be geniuses or whatever, right? Yeah. So because of that model minority myth, uh, Asian people are treated with a little bit more respect than, let's say, Black people, right, who don't have that model minority myth to help prop them up in comparison to white people. So because of that, we tend to ignore the hate crimes against Asian people or, you know, we hear about it less, right? Mm -hmm. And then I guess the coronavirus inflamed all these tensions and then the model minority myth was kind of erased with the, and replaced with, oh, Asian people gave us a pandemic and it's all their fault. Um, shall we go a little bit more deeper into the mass shooting? Shooting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, so I, like we mentioned before, it happened on March 16th. So last week. And it and took it, place in Atlanta, Georgia. No. Yes. Well, some of them were in Atlanta, Georgia. There were apparently three different spas in the Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. Two of them were in Atlanta and one of them was in Ackworth. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. So, yeah, there were three different spas. And by the way, the, the, the murder, I'm going to call it the murder because that's what you deserve to be called. But he did not live in, like, the Atlanta, Georgia area. Like, he drove there with the intention of killing people. That is just despicable on another level. There's no defense for that. Yeah. And then, so there are three different spas. And, okay, so I have the 
what's Spa's name here? So it's the first spa. He killed four people. And then he went to a second school, and there he killed three people. And then at the last spa, he only killed one person. But all in all, he killed six Asian women. Six out of those eight, eight people that he killed were Asian women. And yet he continues to insist that this crime was not racially motivated, which we really shouldn't be listening to a murderer about why he did these things. Um, when the facts kind of speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering a little bit, like, you know, in the past shootings in general have been like at schools or like concerts or public places. And so I'm just curious, like maybe if this is racially motivated, you know, like maybe he went to a spa because in general, I think spa workers are associated with being Asian. Yeah, I mean, one of them was called the Young Asians Massage. So that is very obviously going to be a place where a lot of Asian people congregate. So, I mean, he definitely knew what he was doing. Okay, so the murderer claimed that he did it because of a sex addiction. And, I mean, we can't prove this right or wrong, but it's like even if that claim is correct, it just sort of sort of shows like maybe like the eight I don't know where I'm going with that I was going to talk a little bit about like the Asian fetish but I don't know if that like says anything about it yeah I mean he so out the little research I've done into this um into his claims about sex sex addiction Mm -hmm. uh so apparently sex addiction sex addiction isn't a medically recognized addiction not it's not recognized like you know drug addiction alcohol addiction you know all that stuff is recognized as addiction so technically that's not really a viable defense for him Mm. but also i mean you know people can be addicted to sex i guess but i don't think most people who are addicted to things like porn and stuff will go out and murder people you know yeah I think if even if it is, is true and he was kind of addicted, there are so many other better ways to get rid of this or to deal with it, right? And also, something can be, something can happen for two reasons. This could be both a sex addiction and he could be racist. Mm-hmm. So, and I think he is definitely, even if it, he doesn't think he's racist or he, this, they claim it's not racially motivated, I think he's definitely in the back of his mind, you kind of knew what he was doing by targeting these specific groups of people. Mm-hmm. You have a note here that says police officer reported he had a bad day. What is that? Yes. So, okay. At the, like the, the, the police that apprehended him, I guess, I assume, I'm not sure what police department it was, but I'm assuming it's like the Atlanta police department. I don't know. It says here he was apprehended on his way to Florida. So I'm not sure, but basically the police officer, I guess the chief police officer of the county that arrested him had a press conference. I'm not sure when it was, I think it was like a day or so after the shooting. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure about that. But basically during this press conference, the police officer claimed that he did it because he had a bad day. Like, okay, I, let's take a moment, just think about it and process it. Okay, the police officer, he's a leader in his community. He's supposed to be an example of someone who brings people and criminals to justice. 
And here he is creating an excuse for a murderer who just murdered eight people and wounded many more. And he's saying he did because he had a bad day. You know, there are some cases where if you're like mentally unstable, maybe you had a bad day and just decided to do it, but that's not an excuse for anything. Yeah. And I don't, mostly everybody has bad days, but you don't pull out a gun and shoot six or no, sorry. More than eight people. Yeah. He wounded a couple more too. So I don't, you don't go out and do that. Right. You don't, have a plan like, like he definitely had a plan he chose three different spots he didn't go to one and just like and he traveled gun go out of anger yeah he like had a car and he also had an escape plan because a lot of people like if we look at school shooters who school shooters especially if they're teenagers usually are motivated by like uh they might have actually been the ones that had well they don't have a bad day they had a bad experience at school or they're treated badly or whatever, and this leads to um, the school shooting. But usually they don't have an escape plan. School shooters usually end up killing themselves. Mm-hmm. So to have such a, like, to know where, to choose three different locations and then escape and then get all the way to almost Florida is, does not happen because you have a bad day. It happens because you have a plan yeah. and you know what you're doing. Yeah, and then another thing is the police officer who said that at the press conference, mm-hmm. it came out later that apparently he had, like, bought some shirt that w- had some racist remarks against Chinese people, specifically blaming them for the coronavirus. Um, yeah, so he's racist, too. I mean, is that a shock? No. Yeah, so... I think the point of this was just sort of a to just express our feelings regarding this because as part of the Asian community, it's a little bit shocking, you know, like I worry for my own family members. I don't have to really worry about myself too much because like people usually just assume I'm white, but it's like other people, like my mom doesn't get that privilege. And so it's just like, you have to be extra careful. And you shouldn't be because of your skin color. You shouldn't have to be. Mm. Yeah. I've also seen a lot of, uh, specifically this one article that was circulating on Twitter that basically said, the the headline was something like, how black people can be allies to Asian people right now because, you know, they've both, uh, both minorities have experienced uh, abuse by the police. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were saying, why are you telling black people to be allies to Asian people? Tell white people to change. Yeah. Right? It's not up to minorities to fix the problems because they're not the ones who started it. Exactly. That's a really good point. And so how many people out of the eight people killed were women? Were they all women? I don't know. Uh, I think... I'm going to assume, if it, it, it is this possible, I'm going to assume they were all women. Well, we know for certain um, that at least six of them were Asian women. I think one of them was a white woman, and then I don't know about the last person. But this brings me on to a different topic, which centers sort of around women, feminism, and, like, sexual harassment. 
there was a case in London that went around recently. And there's this young woman around her mid-30s named Sarah Everdad, I think. And she was walking home. She had texted her boyfriend where she was. Everything was good. You know, she did everything she could to protect herself. And what ended up happening was that she never came home that night. Um, a police officer, I don't know what exactly happened. Either he, like, kidnapped her or offered to drive her home or something. But um, she ended up be going missing. And for, like, 30 days, they couldn't find her. And they eventually found her body um, early on in March. And so her autopsy shows something that maybe she was being raped and stuff like that and then killed. And so there's just been like sort of like a lot of social media posting about sexual harassment around women and everything. Yeah, I think people are lightly outraged about this because I mean, she did everything to make sure she was safe. Like Emma mentioned, she texted her boyfriend. Like she, she did the thing that a lot of women are taught to do right to keep themselves safe and then and yet she was taken advantage of by not just any man but a police officer again police officers abusing their power i'm sure she thought she was safe with a police officer right driving her home or i'm not sure what happened but you know it's not nothing is safe. and all the evidence points to that she did not do anything to provoke him or anything like she wasn't dressed scandalously or whatever she was like perfect right on, you know, and it still happened to her. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's worth mentioning that even if you are dressed scandalously or, you know what, you have the perfect right to dress however you want. And that does not change the fact that you are a human being who deserves to live and you ha still have rights and you are not an object to be taken advantage of no matter how you dress or how you act. And there's the fact that she didn't provoke him shouldn't to the fact that he, he was been a horrible person. And even if she did do something to provoke him, he still hurt her. Like, it doesn't change the fact that he's a horrible person, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, in addition, there was a study that went on in the UK, which pulled from only a small amount of around, like, a 1,000 people. Um, and it showed, it was, like, 18 to 24. And these are all women, and they were asking them to say yes if they were, had any experience with sexual harassment and then no if they didn't and 97 percent of those women reported yes and that's a very small range of women and a very small age group but i'm sure that if you expanded that you get a similar result majority of women have experienced something like that and it frustrates me because i don't think anyone especially anyone younger than 18 should have to ever go through something like that. Yeah, I think, I mean, the statistic of 97% is not shocking to me. I genuinely thought it would be closer to 100 because of the amount of, like, because we're including, like, you know, cat yeah. following, uh, following women, stalking them, uh, you know, calling, insulting them when they say no, not listening to them not uh, trying not getting consent if we're including all of that i think it actually should be higher than 90 yeah so mm -hmm. but the fact that it's even that high is just, oh it's so, so 
disappointing and it's so sad and it's so scary because I mean most of the people who do these things to that hurt women like this aren't even like they don't face consequences and they just keep doing them and that sucks yep and so there is a difference between sexual assault and sexual harassment assault is a more serious crime which includes like raping and then harassment is more just like unwanted harassment which is like catcalling unwanted pictures and stuff like that and so the study was for sexual harassment which is more broad yeah i think if we got um if we had a study just for sexual assault the number would definitely be lower but it's still higher yes. than zero percent <laughs> which is a problem as long as they're higher than zero percent it's a problem yep yeah and i i think after this study came out and all this happened um not all not all yeah. was trending on twitter and everything which i just need to address this because it's like when we say stuff like when women say stuff like kill all men or you know all men are bad or don't trust men yes we understand that there are some good men like there will always be some, and there will always be some right? bad women, you know. But that, yeah, but that doesn't change the fact that hey, if the majority of men are attacking women like this, and if the majority of women have been attacked by men, we're not going to trust any men. Like it doesn't matter if you think you're a good person. Yeah, it was like, like not all men, but enough men. Yeah, even if you think you're a good man, like you're still a man who we don't know if we can trust you right so it doesn't matter if you're a good a good person like we're going to still perceive you as a man and still want to be careful even if you, if you say something that like meant to be nice or if you follow a woman just to be kind like we're not going to trust you we're going to be scared because you we automatically assume that hey something bad might happen and we're going to walk around with you know our keys in our hands getting ready to stop and somebody. the fact that this is ingrained in women as like as young as like eight or nine you know telling them walk around with pepper spray you know be careful of men be sure to watch your surroundings men don't get told that at that young of an age except maybe to prevent like child kidnapping but it's like it's really sad i saw something somebody said like uh men uh walk up to women and the worst thing that'll happen to them is she's gonna say no if a man walks up to a woman, the worst thing that can happen to a woman yep. is that she's killed. And I was like, yeah, that's why we're scared. Like, it's it's terrifying to not be able to, you know, go out on a walk by yourself. Or, you know, women saying that, hey, if men didn't exist, we could go out on a walk yep. by ourselves at night. Because we'd be less scared of being attacked. So I saw a couple of things on social media where it was, people were comparing their trauma regarding sexual harassment with each other. And someone who is a sexual assault survivor was saying that, yes, I'm sorry that, let's say she's talking to a woman who got sexually harassed. And so she's saying, yes, I'm sorry you got sexually harassed, but no, it does not compare to me because I got raped and that's sexual assault. And I got that because rape is probably, is, more traumatic than just being catcalled but i also think that we can't invalidate each other's trauma in addition 
it's like men who get sexually harassed and assaulted. Like we can't invalidate their trauma just because they're men, you know? So you have to acknowledge that everyone has that and it's just how can we work to become better at preventing it. We should never try and compare each other's trauma because even if maybe somebody's trauma is less than someone else's, it's still trauma and it still affects them. And also on the point that, you know, yeah, men get sexually assaulted too and they get sexually harassed, I'm sure, but they get get it a lot less than women do. And also, if you're only bringing that up to invalidate a woman, a woman's trauma, then you don't actually care about the men who are attacked, right? You don't do You don't care about them. Uh, yeah. You know, someone was refuting the 97% from the study, and they were saying that girls, sexy regret is not rape. And I do agree with that. I mean, you can't, a rape accusation is a huge thing that can affect anyone's career. And it's like some women can take advantage of that. And so we have to acknowledge that there are like, bad women out there you know yeah i mean the thing is though that um the media likes to like make these false rape accusations stories a lot bigger than they are because i i'm not sure what uh statistic i was looking at but it's like you know uh of the small percentage of it's of the large, actually, of the large percentage of women that are, let's say, sexually assaulted, a very, very, very small percentage of those, of those women actually. Yeah, very women. small. And of even, yeah, an even smaller percentage actually get convicted um, and actually get, like, jail time or whatever. And even then, it's, it's like, not even that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very, very little, the people who actually face consequences for doing this. And then... The fake assault, rape accusations, they're also really, really, really small percentage. So we shouldn't be focusing on those fake accusations. We should be focusing on, like, the mm-hmm. 80% of women who are raped and don't report it or can't report it for some reason because they're being controlled by men or they're just scared of coming forward because they know that it won't be the rapist that faces the consequences. It'll be yeah. I agree with you. I think we think that um, hate crimes are going to, like, go down because we have a new government and it's more progressive and all that. But that the, the the new, the people we elect, even if they may be leftist or liberal or whatever, or more open-minded or not racist, uh, it doesn't change the fact, it doesn't change the demographic of the country. It doesn't change the fact that people are still going to be uh, hateful and everything, and it only takes a few people to cause Im- immense amounts of damage to everybody, you know? It only takes one person to kill eight people, and we're only going to see those hate crimes rise. And a lot of people are scared to address them, and it's, if you're scared to address it, then that means you have a privilege of not being affected by these problems. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to touch on cancel culture a little bit, and how like smaller racist acts can affect, can turn into, you know, mass murder. Like, you know, if a politician or a celebrity says the N word or um, 
says another something racist says, says you know calls it the chinese virus or something like that and people um try to cancel them on social media or call them out and then people are the people that are defending them scream cancel culture and stuff like that that's not cancel culture that's just calling out bad behavior and racism right and that smaller races the smaller acts of racism that they do that they think is like oh it's fine i just said one word i apologize for it or whatever can lead to bigger things that just can lead to shootings and hate crimes and stuff that will leave a lasting yeah. impact on the world and so being problematic being quote-unquote problematic a problematic celebrity who's always saying like controversial things isn't once you start getting as big a following as like these problematic celebrities have like millions of people your words have impact and when you just ignore the people that call you out for it or you scream cancel culture or whatever it is you're just hurting a larger community and it's no longer just about what you said it's the racism that these the people that follow you yeah you know these people all of our um, politicians social media leaders they're all representing they're all examples for their followings and the people that scroll past their page and this reminds me of Andrew, I think that's his first name, <laughs> Andrew Cuomo, I think. The, yeah. Andrew Cuomo. Um, yeah. So he that. had like several sexual harassment cases going on currently against him. And I'm just like, why do we always have to find so many bad things about good people? Why are the good people we thought were good? always turn out to be bad. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Cuomo, let's be honest, don't actually like Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> He's kind of botched the New York response to the um, pandemic. I think he, like, fudged up the numbers in hospitals. Maybe, maybe that was our governor. Maybe that was the California governor. I don't know. Look, both of these people are pretty, like, they're pretty bad people. Andrew Cuomo is, if he's sexual harassment claims, which are, by the way, this is all alleged, uh, if these claims are true, then he is a horrible person for having, you know, done this. And I think a lot of people in power like to abuse the power. And it really, really sucks, you know. But unfortunately, we have to deal with it. And we have to teach other people that, you know, doing this thing, these things aren't good. And we need to make sure everybody uh, faces the right punishment for this. And that, you know, just because he's powerful, he won't have to face the consequences that's not right mm -hmm. and another thing is that a lot of not only is the police force messed up here um the police force messed up you know dealing with racism or racist crimes or hate crimes or sexual harassment the police force uh and the the legal system in general is just very messed up a lot of the people who you know go to court with harassment claims or uh, claims of hate crimes and everything, the people who preside over that court, that judge, the one that makes the final ruling isn't unbiased, right? He has his own, he or she, or they have their own prejudices. They, um, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of rape courts are thrown out because quote unquote, she was wearing clothes that made him want to rape her like that yeah, is an absolute 
multiple court cases. Yeah, I know there's a lot of protests. I don't remember what it was. A couple of years back, somebody's uh, got, a woman got raped in an Uber and the claim got thrown out because she was wearing like tight jeans or something. And apparently, or like, no, she was wearing red underwear. I don't remember, maybe I'm mixing up two different cases, but one of them was where she was wearing tight jeans and that made her, that made it okay that she was attacked. Another one was somebody was wearing red underwear and then that made it fine, apparently, for somebody to treat her like an object. And then we get all these things and that just, there's, I guess these judges forget that, that these are humans, right? Like, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. It doesn't and the matter trauma how you is, acted. The trauma is unforgettable. You know, you're going to live with that for the rest of your life. And most men who do, mm-hmm. um, who commit rape, like, A, they won't be affected by it. B, they'll just make an excuse for it. Or C, yeah, just nothing will ever happen. Yeah, and then those people are probably... If they don't face consequences, yeah. they're going to do it again, right? And there's the other thing of, like, uh, the news, the media, the police forces like to glamorize or infantilize, I guess, these murderers, rapists, and stuff like that. You know, they give their whole backstory. They want to make you feel bad for them, especially if the rapist or murderer, well, only, actually, if the rapist or murderer yeah. is white, is a white straight male who's catholic right they're going to be like yeah otherwise oh, it poor boy otherwise they're like oh um, yeah this evil malicious like black guy and then it just feeds mm-hmm. into the systemic racism all over again mm-hmm. yeah this and then they, i mean it's just the media is so influential in what we see what we do um, I was just on Twitter earlier and there were like people were discussing like there was a town hall that I think CNN held maybe it was MSNBC I'm not sure but one of them held like a town hall about racism against the Asian community and every single mm-hmm. person on that was white and I don't I think you should be doing that like if you're going to have a town perfect. hall yeah how do you how are you gonna learn if like just exclude white white people are not necessary maybe have one white person there yes to, you know, explain how white people are Asian. I don't, like, but you, you can't focus, you got to focus on the minority. You got to focus on the people that are actually having these problems. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't understand this. I don't understand their reasoning for doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, another thing I wanted to bring up that I saw on social media, which is really interesting, is that someone said, the reason your father and your brothers are so protected of you is because they know what they are capable of. They know what men think and what men do. And it's like, I don't know if you want to keep that in the podcast or not. That was sort of just. I know, we'll keep that in. That's important to remember that, you know, other men are aware of how men act, right? And yet, when we call out men, they don't speak up. You gotta, they've gotta learn to be allies, you know? Yeah, but being an ally just isn't enough. You know, you have to be an advocate. So I just, actually, I'm reading the Wikipedia article right now about the mm-hmm. Atlanta spa shooting. And 
I'm, <laughs> there's this line that, okay, it says on March 18th, so two days after the shooting, the U.S. House of Representatives held a previously scheduled congressional hearing on anti-Asian American discrimination. And then the representative Chip Roy, who is a Republican from Texas, questioned whether, whether the committee's attempt to prevent hate crimes and hate incidents against Asian Americans would hamper free speech. I am disgusted. Okay, so the First Amendment, yes, it gives you free speech, but it doesn't give you the right to be exempt from all consequences. Hate crimes and racism and the, everything that led to this murderer shooting eight people is not, does not fall under free speech. Stopping racism is not hampering free speech. I mean, you are will, you are allowed to say whatever you want, but be prepared to face the consequences for it. Yeah, I'm not about that. As a quick summary, you guys, everybody needs to be careful about what they say and remember that their actions will have consequences, no matter how small your statement is. Like if you saying something that is even mildly racist or that hurts anybody, is going to have consequences. It's not going to be. Um, you know, it's going to be bad for everybody. So I'll have one more. I don't know if you want to talk about this. But mm -hmm. I do want to go on a little. Go for it. If that's okay with you. Um, this, is, this is kind of, okay. So this is probably could cover a whole other episode, but I'm going to touch on it really, really quickly because it's not really related to, related to like hate crimes and Asian people or women. But uh, two, one or two weeks ago, this sentiment, this, fake sexual oh yeah i remember hearing about that popped up on tiktok uh-huh yeah so basically it's, if you don't know what it is it's basically a fake sexuality created because transphobes don't want to date, date trans women uh it was created by a straight guy who was like trans women aren't women and i only want to date biological women so therefore i'm making up this thing called super straight to say that I only want to date biological women. And that's fine, but like, you know what? Dating biological women versus trans women is not a sexuality, it is a preference. And also like, that is so insanely transphobic to talk about, you know, trans women are women. Like, end of story, period, done. I, it's just, it, and then this thing, it, oh, like another thing is, this statement, this fake sexuality might seem like a really small thing. like. You know, whatever they create a fake sexuality, they can be transphobic. You know, they can do what they want. But like this small thing, this small statement can affect trans people as a whole, and it hurts them. It hurts trans women who are out there on the dating field. It hurts. It like helps prop up transphobes who are like passing anti-trans bills. We got the bathroom bills. We've got the trans people in sports bills stopping. Um, kids from playing on the sports team of their gender identity. Uh, we've got all the all the hate crimes against trans people too that are all perpetuated by these small mm -hmm. statements, like these small statements that build up. And then I also saw a lot of people on Twitter who are like, I'm super straight, but it's not transphobia. I'm like, yes, it is transphobia. Yeah, so all you did was give it a different name. That's why, like, when people yeah, say yeah. one person's actions and what they say doesn't matter. Like, it does because it just adds to the growing list of hate crime and hate speech and just everything. Yeah. All these hate com these comments, these racist, transphobic, sexist comments, they build on each other and then they cause horrible, horrible things to happen. 
uh, and it's we need to address the root cause of it. We have to mm -hmm. start by wiping out the small things. So if that's it, do you have anything else to add? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, brief summary: We discussed the Atlanta's mass shootings and the Asian hate crimes against the Asian American community. We discussed Sarah Everdad and her rape and female experiences with sexual harassment slash assault, and then we discussed sort of just like hate speech in general, social media trends, and everything, and how they affect everything. And so I think the last thing we should talk about is sort of like, what can you do to lift up the communities that are being pushed down, you know, like the Asian community? And I think A, being an ally, if you have any like Asian friends, like listen to them or ask them or even mixed friends, anyone who's part of that community, like ask them how they're feeling, like, do they need to talk? Like, what are your experiences with this? And then the same with female or male sexual harassment and assault. And then you can also go ahead and do your own active researching to learn about it, look more into the stories that we mentioned, figure out how you can advocate for these communities. Yeah, just listening to people. And if you want to learn, go out and learn. Take a little bit of time, go on YouTube, look up some videos if you don't want to read articles. Take some time to actually learn what's happening. Take some time to educate yourself. Um, don't listen to one side of the story. Listen to both sides. Take the time to evaluate everything for yourself. And make sure you really understand what's happening. Yep. And so, on that note, hopefully a more positive note. And hopefully we will begin to see like some change or at least awareness regarding Asian American hate crime. But on that note, we leave you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Make sure you tune in every second and fourth week of each month on the Tuesday for our next episode.